There is a lie that insiders on Wall Street have been telling for years. It is a story that the biggest portfolio managers and research analysts want you to believe, a story that financial media has been telling since the invention of cable television, and they have a financial incentive to do so. The lie that professional money managers and stock market analysts are better than us. They're smarter than us. That Wall Street professionals and Silicon Valley, for that matter, call people like us dumb money because they think they are the only ones smart enough to be successful at investing and managing our money. Now, we call ourselves dumb money because we know better and we're here to prove them wrong. Unlike anything, unlike the professional portfolio managers, we don't have any money to, to gain from this. Just about anyone in financial media, even personal finance world, we have nothing to sell. We don't take a fee for managing people's money. We don't have an investing seminar. We don't have a book to sell. I mean, Chris, wrote a book 10 years ago that's owned by a publisher. And I think he's spent more money buying copies of his own book from the publisher to give away than he ever made writing that book. We made our money the old fashioned way, social arbitraged and leveraged investments when we spot a trend and a change in consumer behavior before the Wall Street suits read about it in the Wall Street Journal. Sounds easy, right? Today on Dumb Money Live, we're going to debunk the myth that regular investors like us are dumb about money and the lie that Wall Street professionals want you to think that they always do better than the Robin Hood investors because they're pros and they have fancy degrees from prestigious business schools and teams of highly paid data scientists working for them. This morning, we explore what professional Wall Street insiders don't want you to know. This is Dumb Money Live. With Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. This is Dumb Money Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't smashed the like button, you should do it right now. It's guaranteed to bring you good luck and the superpower of beating Wall Street professionals or at least it lets YouTube know that we made a video. Chris is in New York, Jordan is at home. Guys, this whole video idea came about from a CNBC headline that I tweeted over the weekend that dumb money is fueling one of the biggest lies on Wall Street. And no, the article was not about us, but in short, it's an old-time finance guru and author, Larry Swedrow, who has a new book explaining why Wall Street pros are smarter than us regular guys. And Larry actually responded to my tweet in great detail. And I think today we can react to the CNBC article and his Twitter replies, uh, because I think I actually do agree with some of what he says. But Chris, I know you have strong feelings on this issue. <laughs> you know I do, Dave. I mean, the book that I did write, and you're, you're right, I, I spent more money buying that book from the publisher and giving out copies for free than I think I ever made uh, actually off the book sales 10 years ago, was called Laughing at Wall Street. You've been poking the bear and the bull for, for so long. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, and you know, I, I don't have anything against this guy at all. He's, I think he it looks like he's a wealth manager, I'm sure in his heart. He is trying to do his best to help people while make a living for himself. And I am friends with so many wealth managers. They're great people. I love them. Guys, I'm friends with bankers and hedge fund managers and some of the largest people on Wall Street. I love them, but a lot of them I just disagree with where they're coming from. And it, you know, it doesn't. you don't even have to agree or disagree. What's great about this industry is it's about math. Yeah. Right. It's about and return. Larry actually does back up a lot of what he says with research and data. And you can't you can't argue with data. But yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because the data can be spun in any way that you want to spin. That's it. what I was you going to argue. Sorry. Yeah, that's sorry, what I was going to say. But he is, you know, he is the chief research officer at this wealth partner, Buckingham Wealth Partners. Um, he basically personifies the old school Wall Street. He has an MBA in finance from New York University. Go Bobcats. Uh, he 
uh, is it this wealth management fund now? Uh, he was vice chairman at Prudential Home Mortgage. Before that, he was a senior VP at Citicorp. He's he's like the picture of old school Wall Street. He's the opposite of us. We we don't we don't have those fancy degrees. We don't we we know what we're talking about. But we don't have like that kind of pedigree to back it up. Well, Dave, you have a film school pedigree. I mean, from NYU. I, we both went to the same school, so. As I say, go Bobcats. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Like I said, I, I, I don't want to pick on him so much because I'm sure he's a super nice guy trying to do the right thing. Um, and I, this episode is not really about him. He just kind of sparked a conversation uh, that I think is worth having on today's episode, right? Because ultimately, Wall Street needs you to believe that they have something that you could never have. They have formation. They have strategy. They have access to, to analytics and to data and to people and to expertise that you could never have access to on your own. And therefore, you're better off paying them to manage your money than doing this yourself or by doing this through a more efficient, cost-efficient way. But right? when you actually by, by look really- at the data and the research and like historically, he, he's pointing out that – and we can read some of his tweets – but the thing is, Wall Street professionals underperform the indexes too, right? He, his, his, yeah. his kind of thing is you're not going to be able to beat Wall Street because, you know, the, the S&P 500 index is going to do better than you trying to pick stocks, which I'll, I'll be completely upfront. The VOO, the Vanguard S&P 500 index is my forever stock. If there's not something better to invest in, that's where I'm going to be, right? It's those moments, though, when there is a high conviction trade, when there is something better to invest in, that that's that's what we're talking about. That's the difference. Yeah, well, right. I think he's got a point, right? So the point is, um, well, one, that he wants you to invest in, you know, these wealth funds and things like that. But I think the point is, if you don't have any time to actually deal with any of this maybe it is a better idea to to just buy the etf and you know just kind of let it let it ride um but if you do have the time to manage it yourself then you can um you can get a better you can get a better uh, return and i actually i always am looking for easier simpler ways ways to spend less time managing my money I, that's kind of what i'm all about on my other channel hey there dave here you can learn all about that but um when it comes to the stock market there are it's kind of like this this paradox where it, you know in on one hand i want to spend as little time as possible thinking about it but when you do think about it and you find these these moments these these moments of information edge where we have seen something a change in culture a change in consumer behavior that is that is enough to move the needle for a stock and wall street hasn't started reading reports on that yet that's when you need to jump in and jump in big and that's something chris has okay. been preaching for decades Okay, I don't want to hear this. You, people don't have time. Dude, dude, people are alive for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. There is so much time. People have time for everything. And they spend so much time trying to figure out how to make an extra $2,000 from their career choice or from a negotiation with their boss or from any number of things. There's people going out playing the lottery. that They spend more time driving to the store to get a lottery ticket than it would take to realize that you – have a Peloton. How many people that have a Peloton in their bedroom actually invested in Peloton? Some, very few, right? Yeah. Right? How many people? How many people could have made four, five, six, 30 times their money levering, right, in, in Peloton that absolutely 100% saw this cultural shift happening before anyone on Wall Street? People have time. Every single person in the world has time. They have time to fly kites, to race RC cars, to collect coins, to get get on Instagram and Facebook and and do whatever the hell they do. They have time to sit on the toilet and do nothing and (laughs) stare at the wall. I don't want to hear that people don't have time. I'm not telling you that you should do what we do because we've said this a million times. We are not financial advisors, so we don't tell you what to do with your money. You do whatever you want with your money. Go see a financial advisor. Don't do what we do. What we are teaching you is that people such as ourselves, who are not Wall Street guys, who don't have big pedigrees, who didn't work at a Wall Street bank, who didn't necessarily, well, I technically had a hedge fund for a small period of time, but for most of my career, I was off Wall Street, right? And I was an underdog. People like us, we are the greatest investors the world has ever seen, right? We've said this. I I put a tweet out a few weeks ago challenging the entire world, anybody in the world, anybody anywhere 
to prove that they have outperformed me in 2020 by percentage and dollar value. And if they could prove that, I would, yeah, it's a minimal thing. I think I'm going to raise it to 100K, by the way. Are you? I said I would donate, I said I would donate $10,000 to their favorite charity as long as it's not a political charity. And I think I'm going to raise it to $100,000 because so far I've had a bunch of people raise their hands, go, oh, how about that financial guru? I heard this person's great. Not a single person has raised their hand and said, I've done this and I'll send you the proof. Not one person. And by the way, that tweet has gone viral. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of people that have seen that tweet and not a single person in the world has done better in 2020. I mean, come on. I mean, this, who are you going to listen to, right? If that doesn't inspire you, if that doesn't inspire you, Guys, we made $16 million. I made $16 million this year off of just a few million bucks. That's just this year. That's 2020. How much has Larry made, right? So you just have to figure out who do you want to listen to in terms of being inspired about what is achievable, about what the reality is, not what you should do with your money, because I'm never going to tell you what to do with your money. That's your business. You figure that out on your own, right? But Jordan, Dave, can we please talk about what the big secret is? The big secret is that there's actually nothing behind the curtain. And I want everyone to listen really carefully right now. Because okay? you have experience here. You speak from experience because you ran yeah. a company. You, you started a company. You and Jordan. Jordan was the data scientist guy and and, and uh, built the thing. And, and you went out and sold it. It was a data company providing this kind of special access to data that only hedge funds have access to, a, a company called TickerTax. Yes, We've talked about it a lot on this show. And Dave, can you please read the tweet that Larry sent out as a response to my tweet yes, I, so that basically said- I realized that earlier when I was showing you Twitter- data it, scientist. When I, sure, when I was showing you Twitter earlier, I realized that it actually wasn't working. Um, so I just reprogrammed all of YouTube and got my- screen to actually work again. This is the original tweet that, that I tweeted, the uh, CNBC story. We have um, his responses here. This is Larry responding after uh, also other studies show that the worst performing stocks, lottery stocks, stocks with low average returns, but small chance of high returns are vastly overweighted by individuals, underweighted by institutions. Research shows that the average individual not only doesn't know their returns, but doesn't benchmark them properly against the appropriate risk adjusted benchmarks, but they vastly overestimate their returns. Those are Dave, facts. Where is opinions. the tweet? Where is the tweet that he put out about the data scientists and all like like that? I'm fooling myself if I think I know better than where's that? Is, tweet? It's which, on there. which one is that on the one that um, a, he responded to you or he responded to me? Let me find, he responded to me. Right. This was such I, a I I, we, we never get involved in these Twitter battles. This is this is kind of exciting. Um, so, so 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 here here's here's the thing. This guy basically said that that, you know, how could you think he said the hubris that I have to think that I know better than the world's largest firms that have access to the greatest data and data scientists and traders and research. Like, let me explain something to you guys. We me and Jordan, we spent four and a half years of our lives working with the top hedge funds and quant funds in the world at the very highest levels. OK, working with the largest investment banks in the world, their research staffs at the very highest levels. And what I mean by that is I literally trained the top hedge funds in the world on how to interpret data sets. OK, my I literally would go to New York every other week and sit down with them and attempt to hold their hand and educate them on how to do what I do, okay? This is what we were paid to do. This is our company, right? We had the largest and best social data set in the world, and we sold this to hedge funds. Now, granted, there were some funds that are the exceptions to the rule. Guys like Dan Loeb, who run Third Point, right? Uh, WorldQuant, right? Um, even, uh, what's our, Bill Ackman, even. These are activists investors that are incredible at what they do. They spend a tremendous amount of time actually trying to be better. So there absolutely are funds out there that I think I have tremendous respect for. And I think they actually are doing things far and above any of the other hedge funds on Wall Street. Yeah. But 95%, 97% of the funds that we work with, and we work with not all of them, most of the biggest funds in the world. I was blown away by how rudimentary their methodologies were about how unsophisticated their analysts were and their portfolio managers. These guys were still thinking from the 1990s, okay? 
understand this. The best hedge funds in the world, when they did the best, right, the, 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 the most famous funds, they outperformed because they had access to information, mostly through phone calls with experts that the SEC cracked down on, okay, yes. 15 years ago. And they had to pay billions and billions of dollars in fines. Yes, when they are doing things that are illegal, they are better than the average investor. But when they're not capable of doing things that are illegal, which is pretty much – they still try to get away with some of that stuff. But for the most part, it's a lot harder now to get away with that stuff. And now these funds are underperforming. The same funds that Larry was calling out that did so well back in the day are having real issues today, overperforming, okay? Because now everyone's playing from the same playing field. Understand this, guys. We have seen behind the curtain. They say they have data scientists. Do you know why these quant funds and hedge funds have rooms full of data scientists making half a million dollars a year, sometimes a million dollars a year? Do you know why? It's not to generate alpha. It's so that when they go up and sell a pension fund and they're competing against other hedge funds and they're like, give me a billion, give me five billion, give me seven billion dollars of your money to manage. They want to be able to show a presentation that says, hey, they have 70 data scientists. We have 170 data scientists. We spend 20 million dollars a year on data scientists. We have the smartest people in the world. We have 28 people from MIT. We have 36 data scientists from Stanford and they are doing things that would blow your mind. We can't discuss them with you, but that's how we developed our methodologies, right? <laughs> that's how we have an edge, our edge. We are the most technologically advanced hedge fund, quant fund in the world. Meanwhile, and it's all proprietary, so they can't share it with you, but it sure does look good in the glossy uh, brochure that they hand over and in the PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all flash over substance. Yes, but here's the thing. If you once you actually see behind the curtain, and not a ton of people have, but I can assure you that myself, I've seen Jordan, we've seen behind the curtain. Here's the greatest secret. They're not actually implementing. I'm not going to say 100% of them are not doing this, but most of them are not implementing anything based on those data scientists. They've been in a back room, they stick them in there, they get to do whatever they want. Most of them don't actually have methodologies that are put into action for trading. So it's really a big facade. The entire thing is a facade. And I know this because when we were selling software, right, when we were actually selling data, the biggest thing that we learned is they were blown away by our data, literally blown away by it. And you know what they told us? We don't think we have the resources to actually execute on this data source because our data scientists don't yet know how to connect data science to financial markets. And at some point, right? they may make that connection. At some point, machine <laughs> yes. learning may just figure out the stock market. And at that point, the robots will just do all the trading. And there's really no way to compete with, with that kind of brain power. But at this point, it doesn't exist. And as soon and as they, it does exist, know, there's no longer like a, a free market. It's, it's, it's like... Well, here's the thing, Dave. It does kind of exist when it comes to arbitraging uh, under arbitraging money flow and trade flow. Okay, so if you look at a fund like Renaissance, we all know Renaissance did very well over a multi-decade period. But what Renaissance did was they figured out a way to leverage technology and data science to actually arbitrage trade flow. Now, that's different than stock picking or finding alpha in securities, right? Finding alpha in sectors and securities. They actually arbitrage trade flow okay yes. so good for them by the way good for them that's amazing for the investors that were invested in with renaissance they did very well but you know what uh, now finding alpha in this market remember the article came out what last month when when they they basically came out and said hey we missed it they basically didn't they, they completely missed the pandemic right and they're behind this year yeah. It, what they do is very different from finding alpha in terms of being able to identify good investments, whether they're short, medium, or long term. So I just want you guys to understand that because I think there's not a single retail trader in the world that is actually seen behind the curtain the way we have here at Dumb Money. And ironically, we call ourselves Dumb Money because we are we're ordinary investors, but we did have a short period of our lives when we got to see behind the curtain. And by the way, there are a few people doing wonderful things. But 95 to 98% of, of Wall Street doesn't have a clue what they are doing when it comes to trying to identify alpha. And that has been proven statistically by Wall Street's underperformance. And what have we proven here at Dumb Money? Statistically, with math, <laughs> we have proven 
I have 14 years of average returns over 60% annually. Who does that? Nobody in the world, right? Nobody. And now this year, you've seen what happened this year, right? Well, and, and Larry like, well, was great. saying that there's no way that you, you know, people don't know what their returns are because they basically just overestimate what they think they made because they had a good trade, but they forget about the bad ones. You actually had all of your, everything that you've done before the book for 10 years audited. And then up to this new book that you're being featured in, everything has been audited. So it's like you actually, unlike, unlike probably, and he, he is right, that most individual investors probably don't have a good grasp on what their actual returns are other than looking at the bottom line in their bank account and forgetting, you know, how much they took out and put in and, and all of that. But you do. Yeah. And listen, I, I don't want to preach on forever about this, guys, but it's extremely important because this is just something that no one under, understands. It's a huge lie. Wall Street needs you to believe that you cannot do what they can do, right? It's a multi-trillion dollar lie that has been going on for decades and decades. And we are here. The entire purpose of this channel is to out Wall Street, right? That's it. That's why we're here. And from, from his quote from this article in the CNBC article is, we know that if you just passively invest in index funds, you get market returns, which means you outperform or get higher than average returns than the vast majority of active investors. And yes, I mean, if you... If you look at the vast majority, yes, you're, you're going to probably be able to prove that right. But it's it's people who think about it and, and have a better way to do it. You know, they're not just trying to pick stocks because they like the name. I mean, they may not be buying Tesla because they like Tesla. But if you think you have some information or a reason, the way that, that we invest is is much very much like that. Although, like I say, I invest in the index funds when I don't have something better to invest in. That's my That's my fallback investment. Listen, so here's my challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to raise it to $100,000, okay, if anybody can prove that they've done better in 2020. But you know what? CNBC, if you're watching CNBC, and we're, we're talking about financial media here too because that is who is responsible for continuing this lie. They feed these stories. Because at the end of the day, why does, C, why does CNBC look for Larry? Right. Why are you quoting Larry? Because he had a publicist who contacted them because he has a book to sell. And because he has, you know, his firm needs to get clients. And he I don't know for a fact, but I'm imagining that his firm might be an advertiser of CNBC. And if it's not, there are tons that are. If you ever watch CNBC, it's just constant commercials for big Wall Street firms that are that have an index fund or, a a, you know, a managed fund or whatever it is to sell. Uh, Dave, there's more than that, and also charlatans and little firms and anybody, right? So here's the challenge. CNBC, why don't you take on the challenge, right? Why don't you put me on the air, and let's expose this challenge to every trader in the world, every institution in the world, every hedge fund, every quant fund, every portfolio manager. There are no limits. If you are a human or if you are a company or a hedge fund or anybody, and you could prove in 2020 – that you have outperformed me, both in terms of dollar performance, you know, actual dollar return, and percentage return. Yeah, we're not looking you for someone what? who invested $1,000 and made some crazy 4,000% return yeah. on it. We're looking for someone who's managed as much money as you managed for yourself and was able to hit that kind of return. And you're putting your money where your mouth is. But Dave, I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to up it right now from $10,000 to $100,000 right now on this show. Go ahead. <laughs> Anybody can prove it. I, I have to validate it, okay? Meaning I have to see a live trading account, and if I'm not convinced with the live, a live view of your account, I will personally pay then to have it audited. But the first person, this is only the first person, the first person or any entity that can do this, I will donate $100,000 to your favorite charity as long as it's a legit charity and not a political charity, okay? I will donate $100,000 but I need to validate it or have it independently validated. Okay, so if you're watching CNBC, put this on the air. Let's actually see who the GOAT of 2020 is. I want to find the person. Legitimately, I hope I'm not that person because I get more excited when I think I found a person who's done more, I know. who's done This better. is money you would love and to I'm give so away. You'd, you'd love time. to be able to feature someone and, and, and give them the praise that they deserve. Do you know why, Dave? I want them to join the Dumb Money community. I want them in our Discord Absolutely. with us. Like, I legit want them here, right? But I, they don't exist. I just keep saying it, and they don't exist. Everyone keeps saying they exist, but where the hell are they? So raise your hand, tweet me, let's do this, okay? So that's enough. Let's talk about some investments, I guess. <laughs> Rant's done. <laughs>
I don't know. Jordan, do you have anything else to say on that? I mean, am I over the top with that, or does it make sense? I can't oh, hear you. You're, you're, you're muted, microphone. Jordan. You're muted. Yeah, I do. I, I do think you're over the top on that. I do think there are hedge funds actually using data, data science to um, generate alpha right now. Um, Who? You know, I, I think I, I don't know, Who? but I, uh, things have probably gotten a little bit further along since uh, uh, we we're doing I ticker don't. tags. I don't. And my yeah. and my uh, my sources into the hedge fund community have told me that they have not gotten better. Uh, the, the people that I know that know all the best funds have, and I speak to them regularly, have told me that nothing has improved. And because I'm always asking, I'm like, is there a magic data source that funds are buying? Because, you know, Jordan, I'm willing to spend the money on that data. Is there some money that I could spend to buy data to do something? It's is there anyone out there? And, you know, we won't name them, but we have people. Right. They've told me, Chris, there's no amount. of It doesn't matter. They're still running. They're still running credit card data. It's still the same crap that they were doing four or five years ago when you were yeah. rolling around the streets with ticker tech. So, Jordan, I know it seems like they should be doing better with Alpha, but they're actually not. And you know what, Jordan? It shows up in the performance. You could simply – it's not a big secret. You can look at the hedge fund performance, and it just isn't there. So if they had something that was better, it would show up in the performance, right? And if you look at the best hedge funds this year, they have look at how they underperformed through the pandemic. Jordan, they don't even have data to enable them to see the largest pandemic in 100 years. How is that possible? How do they, how, what billions of dollars do they not Yeah, I'm just saying that, up? I'm just saying that there are funds out there that probably did outperform during the Why? pandemic. Why? Right? Right. What, what, well, they're obvious, there's always going to be funds that perform right. and outperform and underperform because of that's the way statistics work, which you know, right? So like, right. But, but not because they have an actual repeatable edge, right? Either with, either through their ability to do something that we as retail investors can't do. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what this episode's about. Is there something that they have access to that enables them to gain repeatable edge that us as retail investors cannot achieve for ourselves? That's the big lie. And what I'm saying is... Something, something they have access to and have actually them. harnessed and, and figured out a way to utilize to actually produce positive returns, outsized returns better than what we can do by reading Twitter and talking to people on Discord. Because you know what? If anyone has done it better this year, please send it to me. Let's do it, right? Let's expose it. Let's surface it. You want to be proven uh, wrong. I want to be proven wrong. I absolutely want to be proven wrong. So, and by the way, yeah, they're just, most of these funds, as you can see in the comments, they really are, they're, they're sucking this year, Jordan. Like they, they are just, it's um, even the, even Bridgewater, I mean, these guys, the biggest funds in the world with the most talent massively are underperforming in 2020. Yeah. It's like, it's unbelievable. It's uh, the only guys are guys that quite honestly, and, and people hate them, Bill Ackman, but Bill Ackman thinks a lot like us. He really he does. does. Uh, he's one of the guys that I respect and he is outperforming this year. And I, I don't care if you, people hate him or not. He, he, he actually has a differentiated mindset in how he approaches his research. Okay. Um, and he's killed it. He's killed it this year. And he's made some big mistakes in the past. And that's okay. I've made some yeah. big mistakes in the past, right? Uh, but he's absolutely murdered it this year. Um, so now, I, I mean, know. he was not right at all on. Well, I mean, I guess he kind of was right about Herbalife. He just wasn't right with the returns, right? Oh, you, you, um, you know, you know who's interesting though, Kathy is Kathy Wood. Am I saying her name right, Kathy? Kathy what, what's the you what's the, you right? uh, like? I was pulling up the chart as you were thinking of it. Yeah, uh, Arc is yeah. the one that like. Look Arc. at that. The S and P is in orange, and the Arc that's their uh, innovation ETF. The basically yeah. the, the Tesla ETF. So, so you know what, uh, Arc. Here's what's interesting about Arc. Uh, first of all, I'm very much interested in everything that Arc is doing. Fascinated by Kathy. Um, I do want to see how they do over a longer period, like a 10 plus year period, right? Yes. I would love to see how. Now, do you see what happened to Arc? There is that their line at the top, Dave. That I'm looking. Yeah, at right they are now? the green line. When the that... market, yeah. So the, when the market crashed, they like if you look at my portfolio, I actually. What, I was shorting the market because I actually saw the world's biggest pandemic coming straight at us like a freight train. <laughs> Arc didn't see that, right? So that's kind of the difference. Yeah. So Arc, but can Arc, 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 can they? I mean, is that a fair comparison? Are they like with the way that's structured? Is that a long only, or can they? You know, I don't know. I don't know how those. That's the question, Jordan. Over right. a fifteen-year period, ups and downs, yeah. and as the market changed. Right now, Arc has the right methodology 
for this market, yeah. okay? Uh, the big question is, will their methodology, will their way of thinking persist and continue to outperform over a 15-plus year period, right? Yeah. 10, 15, 20 years. I, by the way, I'm not saying it won't. I'm not saying it won't. But I'm really interested to see how that unfolds over a longer period yeah, of time. And this, and this one just hasn't at... existed long enough to really give us any kind of like long range. Going back to 2015, you can see that they were. But, you know, they, they, but they, did, they did not do in well. line with the averages, well and then, the, then they didn't drop as big as this in 2016. But you know, but but that's the that's the difference. Like they just didn't do well until recently. Um, you know, like and I don't want to. They're still doing better than most, though, right? They're still doing better than most. I do want to see. Are they up three? Are they up three X this year, though? They, yeah, my point was in? just that they're. You know, if there's a big drawdown in the market, they're going to get hit because they're. I assume, yeah. and I could be wrong about this, but I think they're long only. Uh, Jordan, you're correct. You're absolutely yeah. correct. And, and 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 when you adjust that methodology for risk, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't look pretty. Okay, guys. Uh, what's SPCE again? Uh, someone's saying, can we talk about SPCE? It's a that's a Virgin Space. Oh, Virgin Space, Space guys. Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to speak about Virgin Space because, you know, we're so into, you know, one of their – I don't know if you call it because SpaceX really competitor. We're so deep into SpaceX uh, that we don't spend a lot of time researching Virgin Space because we heavily invest in SpaceX. By the way, Jordan, Dave, I know we talked about this on a, on a show last week, but could you believe how well our private investment immunity is doing? Uh, what, no. I put it's, still, it's up like another seven or eight percent today. Oh my gosh! Every day. Guys, <laughs> if you didn't know this, we put uh, we collectively invested four hundred thousand dollars into Unity two years ago, and that today is worth what th three million right now? A little over three million. It's got to be worth about three million. Right yeah, I, now, right? well, I think so. Our so, share price I thought was like thirteen bucks or something like that. Yeah. So 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 I think I think we're at, we're up yeah. about three million dollars in that. And we can't sell it, right? Because we're we're in the lockup for six. Well, months. we don't even have access yeah. to it, right? So yeah. um, we don't get access to it's... it for like another 160 days. So. Oh, I'll be counting every day, right? Um, yeah. But but you know, we. It's nice, it, guys. It's really nice when you have the ability to invest in companies pre when they're when they're private, right? When you see a company you love and you have enough resources uh, to actually wedge your way into those rounds uh, early on. But people can do this, right? This one wasn't even that big of a deal, right? I, I thought these were like employee shares that we. Um, I they were, but we still had a hundred thousand dollar minimum. We had a hit on this, Jordan, and yeah, most right. people don't have a hundred thousand dollars to yeah. to throw into a company. You basically like that. you have to be an accredited investor, meaning you have like a million dollars of uh, disposable disposable liquid cash or something like that and then but i've seen some of these deals these private deals pop up and you don't have to put in a hundred grand like you if you're an accredited investor which you know i mean it's i bet a lot of people on this channel are accredited they're not going to throw a hundred grand into a private company but they might throw 10 or 20 and i think some of those deals are around yeah. if there's a company that they're interested in you just have and to unity have came to... to us through a firm that that sources uh pre-ipo deals um SpaceX came to us through we actually had multiple people trying to bring SpaceX to us because SpaceX <laughs> great investment uh philosophy SpaceX is not trying to make money SpaceX just needs to spend a lot of money on development and shooting rockets up into space and our investment strategy there is eventually their spin-off companies that we'll get shares of like the uh the satellite company um, those are the ones that are going to be profitable and spin off an IPO but SpaceX itself is basically at least Elon is saying that it's not ever going to be a public company. It's never going to make money. It's just kind of a thing to uh, advance humanity. And by the way, like we're all about spending our money. We want to make money, obviously, but we also want to advance humanity. Absolutely. For those of you guys that don't, don't know, and we feel that your money is your power, right? We're not relying on the political system to make things happen in our world. And where we choose to spend money, whether it's investing in Tesla and advancing the EV space or spending money on you know, SpaceX to advance humanity, yeah. um, we could have a major impact on the world in that way. And by the way, I know someone was asking, Chris, why are you challenging people? Like, are you, 
trying to get more subscribers? Yes, we're trying to get more subscribers. Um, why do we want more subscribers? Because we're trying to democratize investing to the masses, guys. That's why we do this. We don't want to make money off you. We want to democratize investing for tens of millions of people. That's our passion. That's our mission in life. That's why we're here. We literally want to help people. I know we every want... time you hear someone saying they want to help people, they're like, oh, that's a fraud guy. That's a scam guy. We don't want your money. We're never going to have a seminar. We're never going YouTube. to try to make money yeah. off of you. What we're trying to do is if dumb money became a household name, it would mean that everybody, it'd mean your grandma would be like, oh, you mean I should be uh, I should be looking at, at my investments differently? I shouldn't just let this money manager who's balancing a portfolio for me. I had a balanced portfolio for the longest time that I was paying fees every year. And, I, and the, the year that I dropped that, I stopped having someone manage this side money. It was, I, I had my active money and then I had the side money. It was kind of my safety net. And Jordan, you did too, I know. I looked at my bill that I got. It was like you know $10,000 that I paid them in fees to manage my money for the year. And then I looked at what they actually did and they made like three trades. <laughs> and that makes sense because you don't want to actively churn. You know, It's not about trading. They, they had me in good things and it was all good. But why am I paying $10,000 for someone to set up a portfolio for me when I can do that myself? If I just wanted a balanced portfolio, I would just buy VOO. It's a way lower fee way of having a, an ETF, an index fund that basically mirrors the market and you know you, you can stay above water that way. By the way, people are asking how to invest in SpaceX. There is a company out of Austin called MicroVentures. Uh, they basically get allocations like we got our allocation. And then they split that with among other people. And so you could buy it to SpaceX with like a thousand bucks, like when they had their private rounds, but they charge huge fees. So like yeah. you're paying fees on top of fees. So like you're paying a 20, 10 or 20% fee uh, on all of your gains to, to a company that got the allocation. And then micro ventures is taking an additional fee on top of that. So let's say you end this up is, making- This is not sponsored. I'm just, we're just showing, no, no, we're just we showing them because yeah, it is one of many companies that do things like this. We're just showing that there are platforms you can get on to, yeah. to look at some of these things. And I do feel bad because like this guy, I was going to work with micro ventures once and we pulled out the last minute and I was like, I'm so sorry. He, they got stuck with like $400,000 of allocation that we said we were going to take that we couldn't at the last minute. So I, By I the way, he's to... like the nicest guy in the world he's too. Super... I talked to him once. He's a, he's a super, yeah. super nice guy. And listen, the problem is like if you make 100000 on SpaceX, you're going to end up paying like $30,000 of that profit will go out in fees. But like if you really want to like invest in stuff, like it's a way for small investors to do it. So I would like to help that guy out out of Austin. Like we're not endorsing it. We don't get paid by them. We don't do that stuff. But but just so you know, like it, it's it's cool. I, I like what they're doing at Micro Ventures. Yeah, and and there are other platforms that do the same thing. Uh, we've uh, we have we've talked about on the channel before. Forge Global is one of those. They basically uh, have have. I think they actually are buying shares like from from individuals, right? A lot of times. Yeah, and employees. They get employee shares and then they they flip them. And again, they take like ten or fifteen percent, right, or twenty percent. So it's kind of expensive way to do this, but you could theoretically do it, right? If you want yeah. to. Um, yeah, man. So I, listen, I know we had a show about this last week, but I still feel the way that we felt last week when it comes to the pandemic. I think uh, it's going to get way worse. I don't know how much worse, but way worse over the next six to eight weeks. And yes. I do still believe, and I, I have set up to trade this way. So while I'm very long, guys, I have all my tech stocks. I have all my pandemic defense stocks, right? I have Peloton. I have all this stuff. I, do, I did start shorting things like in the last couple of weeks. So I'm shorting travel, booking.com. I'm shorting restaurants like Ruth Chris. I'm shorting, you know, Dave and Buster's. I'm shorting a bunch of travel and a bunch of names I think would do badly if and when the pandemic starts to get worse over the next six to eight weeks. And it's gotten so much worse in Europe. Guys, you're watching France, you're watching the UK. And that was the I, leading indicator for us here last time, too. We saw the, the cases go up. And, and even here, we see that half of our states uh, now have an increased number of cases. Um, states like Wyoming, Utah, Wisconsin, those have doubled in cases. Uh, Colorado, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, not far behind. Uh, Florida, fully reopening. Restaurants, bars, nightclubs, and that they, they have what, like uh, 700,000 cases? 
Yeah. And someone just asked how much of my portfolio is short. Not a lot. So like, as you guys know, I, it's a roughly a 20 plus million dollar, $21 million portfolio in that range. I'm always taking money out of it. Right. So, uh, but, but I think I have about $2 million uh, short, but I also have a bunch of, it's also levered long by two and a half. So I don't know if that evens out to where I'm essentially not short at all. But, and but and like, you are one of the guys who, despite knowing so much, you never really have any idea where you, you stand. Like you have, no. you have this margin, you have like shorts, you have longs, you have just so much random stuff going on. Where, where is your portfolio today though? Are you, I'm, I'm uh, up 140K right now today. I was, I was up 470 when I woke up this morning and now I'm up like 170. So something didn't go well between market open and now but i'm still up about 170 on the day and i show I this chart I... I show this chart all the time this is my real-time uh chart off of the uh, schwab brokerage where you can see that i'm definitely down from my highs uh but substantially up from my lows that low yeah. is uh the the pandemic by the way the good news is uh for all of our dumb money community i love you guys by the way i love you more than anything in the world uh, other than my own actual family, uh, <laughs> and I, me. I have been, I, and you and Jordan, I have been a little thrown off the last couple of weeks because I was kind of, you know, I get a little obsessive about wanting to win at, at everything, like wanting to win in the market. I wanted to win at fantasy sports, and you know what? This is my team, Van Buren boys, right? <laughs> you guys know. I haven't seen your I, shirt. I am, a, I am a huge Seinfeld. My daughter got this shirt made for me. Um, That's awesome. And I, it was so, so cool. I, Seinfeld, the Van Buren boys is the gang in like, like Seinfeld. You remember? It's like, uh, whatever. Anyway, so that's my fantasy football team. And I suck so bad this week at fantasy football that I realized someday I want to be good. But to be really good, you just got to spend a lot of time. Listen, you know, I spend 60, 70 hours a week researching my trades, right? Like, I'm not going to spend 60 hours a week researching fantasy football. But I have so much respect for the people that do and that are great. And you know what's funny, guys? If they were to spend that much time on stocks, these guys would be worth 50, 100 million bucks. The guys, if you're good at fantasy football, I can pretty much guarantee you, you will be amazing at investing, right? <laughs> like guaranteed. <laughs> because it's all the same thing. That's why I love it so much. It's like it's all about information. It's about seeing past the noise and really trying to extract information that's being mispriced or misunderstood by everyone else playing fantasy football. The good news is I think my league is a bust now. I think I'm out of it after this week. So I'm going to back, back to focusing on stocks exclusively good. starting like a day. Good. Okay? I, we all need your help. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by the way, I got nothing else to do here. I got, I, I got the beach and I got like, that's it. And my laptop. So I'm going to be, I'm going to try to catch up on discord and all that stuff and get back with the community and start to, I have so much to research. People are asking about Carvana. You know what, the way I feel about Carvana, man, I got so much to say, but I'm not going to say it today. because I got more work to do. Carvana episodes coming probably after the election, honestly, than before. But it's coming, guys. Okay, it's coming. Yeah, there's a lot to, so, to deal with leading into the election. We're, we're like a month away from the election and, and probably yeah. a year and a half away from knowing who the next president's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, uh, by the way, guys, someone said lobster rolls. I am not that far from the lobster roll here in Montauk. <laughs> uh, and we will, we will be getting some lobster rolls for sure this week. Thank you. We, we wanted to have the uh, scenic background, but uh, right as we were about to go on the air, um, the lawn crew started uh, oh look at this here we go this, isn't this that beautiful is, that's my view guys it is so, so that's the ocean right there that's our lawn i don't know if you can see it but uh it looks literally amazing. yeah it's it's it, it's pretty sweet it's pretty sweet um well i would just stay there and never come back I'm not missing <laughs> much here might. we can still do the show <laughs> I just, I just might. And Jordan was at um, Jordan was at the, at the lake last. Uh, was it last week? Yeah, and then next week I'm going to be in Colorado. Oh, that's exciting! I, I need yeah. to go somewhere. Megan is in New York right now. She just travels without me all the time now. She she, she took a road trip all through <laughs> Wyoming and Colorado. Did she take the van, the, like the, the super van? This, this time, well, she did through uh, through her road trip through the Great American oh, that's right. uh, Highway, but uh, this time she uh, she's in New York on a boat. A, U a YouTuber's uh, boat. <laughs> she should pull up right here to stop in Montauk and uh, I, come hang out with us. Uh, she, I know she's not watching, so I will text her that and let her know that that uh, 
Unless she's hanging out with super spreaders, and in that case, I might have to keep my distance. But we got a big yard. We can figure it out. You know, Megan uh, is. I'm very serious about all of this. And when she came back from her road trip, she did. um, She did like on one leg of her trip, she left the van in Colorado and flew back. I made her get a COVID test before I would let her in the same room as me. We we basically treated her as if she were. uh, She had the the bubonic plague, and uh, yeah. But she she came back clear and then um, she she's off again. She flew twice now. That's, that's, oh wow! Oh boy! Hey, what what else is happening in the news that could impact our portfolio that we need to be thinking about or trading this week, Dave? I know you mentioned a bunch. I of mentioned stuff a bunch of stuff. Episode. I mean, I I think that the the is there is there going to be any any swing in public opinion on the election with the president's tax return information? coming out 20 years of tax returns apparently during those 20 years uh he he didn't pay any taxes near the beginning of those 20 years uh he paid some right right as the apprentice was taking off out of nowhere he all of a sudden had income where you know he was able to bury all of his income with with uh real estate in the past but then all of a sudden the apprentice happened he had to pay some taxes but then he had enough losses in a golf deal much later that he then um was able to and I didn't even know you could do this. He filed retroactively to get his tax money back that he paid, like $70 million or something that he paid in taxes. He got back from during the apprentice years because he lost so much money at a golf resort. Well, well Dave, don't you think that it's kind of irrelevant because you know, no one reads the New York Times and stuff that's voting for Trump? But here's the but, thing. But I think people really do. Matters. I mean, I, I don't know what the Fox News take on this is going to be, but they're going to have to say that his taxes came out and he wasn't as successful as a businessman. Maybe that, that I I don't, I don't think that Trump loyalists, that Trumpers are going to change their uh, opinion, but is there anything that really could change the election at this point? Yes. The debate, the debate is this week. And if this factors into the debate, listen, I am going to be trading the debate. Okay. So if I think after this debate, it looks like Trump has an edge, a strong edge. Um, I might lighten up on some of my, you know, Vista Outdoors, for example, the ammunition, right? Mm-hmm. And some of some of those type stocks. If I I think if it looks like Biden's going to have an edge coming out of the debate, I might go in even longer on Vista Outdoors, right? You yeah. know, that's like my top, one of my very top holdings. Well, right I now, think your I Vista Outdoors to- trade will also be impacted by the Supreme Court seat. If that gets rushed through by someone who is pro uh pro gun that that kind of might might reduce the need for people to stock up on ammunition right man uh, i'm just so confused how we think that people don't know who they're voting for at this point like i mean don't you Jordan, realize? because 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 people don't not it's not that most people don't it's that right percent two or three percent don't right and so it just too- blows my mind i mean you know who these people are like you've they've been around these guys but it, they're not new to the public eye i think it comes down also- to does it does it, it motivate people who would have just said ah i'm not going to bother voting because i hate both of them yes. it motivates yes. them to pick a side right i think that's yeah, the, the the game changer also voter turnout right jordan so like it, it's really not even a matter of who they're going to vote for it's a matter of Will the next few weeks motivate more people on the left to go out and vote or more people on the right to go out and vote? And, of course, there will always be some in the middle that will make a last-minute decision, whether I I guess. I mean, I look, I think things are so extreme right now that you are either hardline into one of these two sides, and there's not really – there's no middle middle ground anymore. But, Jordan, you're too smart. You're too smart, Jordan. You know that people are still saying in polling data right now this last week that they are undecided and haven't made a decision. So, like, I understand the way your brain works. And in your brain, you're like, how could anyone not understand? But there are people that are not able to process the way you're able to process. Right. And so we just need to understand that as investors. Like there are people that cannot process and and they're going to make a last minute decision. And it's our job as investors to try to figure out what way that is leaning if we feel it's going to have a major impact on the market in general, which I don't. Uh, I think it's more of an impact on sectors, right? So, like, I'm not planning to make any major market moves in terms of, like, selling all my stocks based on who wins the election or who I think is going to win the election. But what I am going to do is I'm going to start to shift my my certain sectors, in and out sectors, based on who, who looks like they're getting an edge, right? 
Yeah, and I think we talked about we did, we already talked about some of these some of these green energy stocks, like maybe kind of shifting towards those and out of yeah. uh, you know, because I think we'll get more government subsidies for um, you know for green. And and Jordan, you're going to get a lot more gun and ammunition sales. I promise you that if Biden wins, that's just a fact. Okay? Yeah, you th yeah, people just stock up and they're going. It's going to be a it's going to be two three years worth of stock up. Okay, like it's oh ammo city man. I like it's. Oh, the ammo trade. Well, you can't even hard. get it right now, right? So everything that is being manufactured is being sold. Yeah, but but what's more important is will you be able to get it in six months? That's the question, right? So the question is, will there still be a line to get ammo in six months? And if you could answer that question, yes, oh man, I'm I'm doubling down in Vista Outdoors, right? And if the answer to that is no, Vista Outdoors, it's been fun. I made a crazy amount of money this year on you. I'm out. Okay, that's it. It's very simple. That's what's driving my decision. Okay, so I'm, I'm watching the election really on that trade specifically because that is kind of a binary trade, right? It's like really binary based on Trump or Biden. And I, that's I love these exciting binary trades because if I start to get a feel that we're going down one road, I'm going to just I'm going to pile in, man. I'm going to pile in or I'm going to pull out one way or the other. Big five sporting goods. Same thing, guys. I mean, listen. It's the it's the same. It, these are all the sector moves together, right? Like it just they all kind of move together. I, I like Vista. I like Big Five too. I think Vista is kind of a clean, pure play on that. I just got word else, and right? saw in the chat that our container store episode just went live on the other channel. So before you oh, nice. uh, stick around with us here, but the very next thing you should go watch is our uh, container store video. It's it's a oh, recap dude, of what we so talked good. about. Uh, was it last week about? about the uh, container store and the no, home. It's edit. not just a recap, Dave. Guys, you've got to watch this episode. It is so they were we worked on editing literally for four or five days on this episode. I've so wanted to get your opinion on this container store cut. It's a 10 minute episode. It's so fun. Uh, you know, we love the container store ladies. We're in pretty big on that trade. By the way, guys, I am closely monitoring the weather on my suburban propane partners i'm a little nervous because it's a little warm right now here in new york okay uh, but i i know that it works i mean we just hit fall like last week so i think you know i, I think know, we're okay but, still i know but there's so the weather system coming in but it doesn't quite touch the east coast this next week but like a third of the country is going to cool off i'm looking beyond that i need to see the weather get cooler into mid-october okay here's what i'm thinking though it doesn't necessarily need to be like crazy cold because you can't eat inside right and so you just have to have more patios being used this year than last year which i think you will have um because that's really the only place to do it and even if it's only like 60 degrees outside people are going to want some sort of heat going yeah right? jordan jordan yes but th listen the company is super weather sensitive i mean that's just that's just sure. a known thing so like it, it doesn't have to get crazy cold but it does have to cool we cannot have an indian summer okay I, by the way i also bought some ugi ugi is the company that owns amerigas and now it's a little more diversified but Amerigas, Amerigas is really the actual tanks themselves yeah, they're the they're the, the retail outlets where you go do the tank exchange yeah. they're the brand that i think is the the industry leader there yeah now suburban propane partners is a supplier for the propane for a lot of the independent companies that do their own propane tanks right but the suburban propane partners doesn't they're not in the business of actually exchanging tanks themselves so it gets a little confusing i'm in both but i am going to pull out of that trade if i feel we're going to have a warm mid to late october I will pile into the trade even more if I think we're going to get a really bad cold snap going into the mid to end of this month. And if it kind of just looks like a cool October, I'll stay where I am. But like I know people are asking about that, uh, but but it's, the weather is critical here. It's critical with these propane companies, okay? So you really got to stay on top. Can we talk a little about the uh, Nikola trade? I know that you rolled your options to a, another um, low, a lower price and uh, extended the expiration. I did the same thing um, on Friday. I sold the ones that were expiring on Friday and got the uh, ones that expire this Friday, I think. Um, and they are, uh, I'm, I'm up $35,000 in them, down down a little bit today, but... Uh, 
So, so Dave, I sold mine. I bought some Octobers. I bought the twenty dollar puts. I think mm -hmm. I sold the thir I sold my thirties and I bought the twenties. So I kind of traded down. I took a crazy amount of profit. The October second. Like that's this Friday. Yeah. We're, we're literally almost to October. No, no, no. I bought the monthlies. Oh, okay. I bought the monthly Octobers. Yeah. So I, I, I just kind of want to have more time on them. And so, like, I'm just going to sit on those and see how it all comes together. And it's, I'm willing to lose my money in those if that's what it comes down to because I made so much yeah, you, in, the, in the last Yeah, you just round. bought back a small portion of what you had cashed yes. out of. Yeah, exactly. I think I spent, like, 60000 on the options, and I, I made one hundred and sixty or 170000 on that last set of Nicola puts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I still have my Nicola short position, though. I haven't sold out of that. I don't think I will sell out of that because I don't need yeah. to borrow short shares. <laughs> no, no need to sell those. I just want to make sure they're not charging me like an insane interest rate. Like I need to actually check those emails from Ameritrade that come in every night. Yes. That like tell me what my interest rate is because I might be paying like a hundred. If I'm paying a hundred percent interest rate to borrow those nickel shares, and they are going to be hard out, to borrow, so you're rate. going to be paying a higher rate. I do have to also remind you. I I, I told you this at the time, but remember when we were uh, doing a bunch of shorts on the SPY, just trying to just put a emergency break hedge on. I had a short position in the SPY when it paid a dividend, which basically meant after the fact, like three weeks later, they just took a bunch of money out of my account saying, well, that was the dividend that we had to pay for the people who were long that day. Uh, I'd never had that happen to me. That was that was just that's pretty that, that's pretty cool actually. I got a letter in the mail that said this is why your the, your account was just you know we just took one hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of your account. That's not that's not a small amount to just like out of the blue just disappear. <laughs> so be careful when you're shorting things, especially if they but, pay but, a dividend. But, but that's okay, Dave, because if the the reality is. You're short, but you you make the money back on the short. So it's it, it's a neutral. Yes. It's a net. It's a net neutral effect. because I held it on the day, but it just yeah. kind of had, had I thought about it, that might have been the uh, I might have taken taken that away and done some other short. But um, oh, someone asked a question about GameStop. I want to talk about this because I think GameStop is a really really interesting trade, but I haven't made it yet. I can't figure it out, guys. Like I think it's okay for me to come on here. I, I think. To say I can't quite figure this out. On one hand, no, this this isn't fast you, money where you know everything about no, everything. This isn't mad no. money where you know everything about everything. Where any any random ticker symbol that comes up in our live chat is something that you're going to be an expert on. But I think if you could get the GameStop trade right, I think there's money to be made. The thing is, we know that there's going to be a massive amount of interest in gaming platforms, literally in the next two months, right? Because we got the new PS5. The new Xbox, people are going to want to buy all the new games and all this stuff. At the same time, we're still in a pandemic that I think is going to get worse. And other than people buying platforms at GameStop because they're literally sold out everywhere else and they are sold out everywhere, um, I don't know that people are going to choose to go to GameStop to buy. They'll just buy them online, right? So That's like, my thing. That's my thing with GameStop. Like, really, they're just the only reason to buy it is because of the they get their allocation and platform. But I mean, that should already be known to everybody. So there's really no advantage that you've got here, Chris, right? Because everybody knows that you just buy the game online and let it download to your system now. Jordan, you're totally you're totally right, dude. And that's why I'm not trading this. And I'm just gonna like sitting on the sideline watching it. But sometimes I like watching these things because if I miss it, if the, if it makes a big move, I want to understand what I missed and why. Like why yeah. why did I miss it? Right. Like so I learn more from things that I don't trade in, but I'm watching them, and I, I'm like, I don't see the arb window here. But if after something big happens, you can always go back, find out what the driver was of that move, and at what point you could have surfaced information related to that driver, and so that you don't miss it next time, right? Like, that's really yeah. important. By the way, I know it's an interesting trade going into the holiday season, guys. Uh, Facebook, and I think people don't think about their virtual reality stuff. As you guys know, my, my younger brother's big in virtual reality. He's in the industry. Um, he tells me this Facebook stuff is going to be huge. It's it's fascinating. Yeah. We've had people I asking us about it, and I just don't I don't know enough. So we need to we need to get the info out of your brother. So, yeah. So here's the info. The info is that Facebook is putting a tremendous amount of resource power into their headset this year, this holiday season. So I think that they are going to be selling a 
crazy big amount. Remember last year they sold out of them and they were just like sold out. Nobody can get them this year. I think word on the street is that Facebook is actually more prepared for a huge VR holiday season. Okay. And that they're actually going to be making these units in scale. And if anything looks like last year, they're going to be selling out maybe all of them again. So you know what? It's just, by the way, this is a long game here for Facebook. If they emerge as the leaders in VR equipment, because you know they got Samsung they're competing with, right? A couple others. This will be they will own what's equivalent of the cell phone of 2035. I don't know how long it's gonna take before VR is so incredibly important yeah. that it becomes literally a, a thing that everyone in the world has. And maybe we're only using it for certain things, but you absolutely must have it for certain things in your life. What if Facebook becomes a hardware? They are a hardware company right now, by the way. Mm-hmm. With this, it's, if you're, what if that piece of what if that piece of hardware becomes as generally no, like it becomes as generally as popular as cell phones are today? It could be 15 years down the road, but that's a really, really big deal for Facebook. Yeah. Okay, and, and everyone is trying to game. get that first starting edge, though. You know, we have Apple with their glasses that are supposedly coming soon. We have you know, every every Google had their failed Google Glass experiment, but you know that they're they're working on something. I think Facebook has a has a good shot, though. And if you think about just their existing reach and if they have something that actually works and and where it, it's also if you, if you think of it as a pandemic play, if you wanted to stay in and be entertained when I did it, like I, it's so much fun. I don't I don't have one myself, but I was playing with uh, with lens when I was on his boat like last just after they got it last Christmas. There's I want one. Dave. Dave, I've got, I, I need to find the tweet, but I found um, I saw it on Twitter today, and I need to look it up. I'll send it to you guys. Maybe I'll maybe I'll retweet it. But there was a there was a graph that showed um, you know percentage of game platforms over time, mm-hmm. right? And so it showed that uh, uh, it showed like the growth of you know and the decline of PC and all this stuff, yeah. uh, the decline of handheld, the increase of uh, of uh, mobile, and I I want to say that VR was a shrinking platform in that in that data set why i would think that, that maybe fun. it depends on how you define vr There's i could no be way. wrong i need to look at as far as like percentage of gameplay i need to i need to find this tweet oh maybe may, you know what they i know they had a little bump in game but that's yeah because they're still really adopting like they're, they're still so early in the innovation cycle right. that any move now is almost you know it doesn't even matter because it's so small yeah no it's, it it's never up. blown up right it's never been yeah, as big it, yeah. as anything else but but i think guys and know what's interesting about this the way the companies trade now and if you look at tesla for example or even nikola whatever uh it even if we think something is 10 years away if facebook emerges as the leader in something that can be you know, a $200, $300 billion, $500 billion industry in terms of annual hardware sales, you know that that will get reflected in their share price today because people are looking that far down the road. So like, you know, thanks to the arc, you know, the arcs of the world, like Kathy Woods and stuff like that, that will start to get reflected in today's uh, analysis. So it's something that I think is worth thinking about preparing. You know, we always talk about preparing your mind, running scenarios, watch it. Watch it. I'm not trading it right now. I own Facebook. I'm not trading this piece of information, but I'm looking for it. I'm watching it, right? Like, you have to know what to look for. Yeah, like people are saying Oculus 2 is going to be a, be a killer. I, that's what I'm hearing from, like, my industry sources, right, yeah. uh, in the VR world. Other people are saying that they think it's, you know, a niche. Look, it's not, it's not something that I'm really interested in playing a VR video game, but I don't play video games at all anyway. Exactly. So I, I just don't I don't understand it. It's not my I don't play world, video games, so I'll just, but I'll just let the like you, I'll just let the data talk and see. Yeah, what, yeah, what you know, about. Jordan. At some point, and I don't know when this, I don't know if this is next year or in ten years, but at some point there is going to be a breakthrough game or a breakthrough product that's going to yeah. be on a VR platform, and that thing is the thing that's going to push. VR to the next level, right? And so, but if you're not looking for it, you're going to miss it. And by yeah, the time I it hits the news, it will be too late. Okay, guys. And that's why we say you must have a prepared mind 
if you want to be a great social arm investor. Let me tell you my theory. I think that when I used VR for the one and only time in my life, it made it was such an active experience. I think that if Apple came out with Apple Health Plus or whatever their whatever their service Fitness Plus for VR where you're doing like things in like a virtual space and like ducking under things. And like, it was, it was like a workout just playing this stupid game where things were flying and you had to like avoid them. And it, it was, I think could be a very compelling fitness case. Hey, guess who's working on that day? Peloton. Pe Peloton. They're actually hiring gaming designers. They're actually in our own discord. Thank you. Dumb money discord community. You are the best. I always say it. Uh, you know, I didn't know it until I saw it in the Discord channel under Peloton. They are uh, actually hiring gaming developers right now at Peloton. All right. That's well, maybe great. maybe that's the reason I will invest in Peloton because <laughs> an overpriced bike is not enough for me. Hey, whatever it takes, <laughs> man. Whatever it takes. Uh, that's fine. So, uh, all right, guys. Do you want to uh, have everyone kind of move over? Hopefully, ask everyone to move over to the YouTube yeah, Dumb Money do, channel, me, the OG channel. Let me uh, let me pull up a link, and we can drop it in the feed. Don't don't leave us just yet because uh, yeah, we want everyone to hit it at the exact same time. Uh, yeah, that'd me, be really cool, guys. Get a link. By the way, that. we really appreciate you supporting our channel. Like I said, you're all part of democratizing investing, and I, I think we're going to save the world by people learning how to control their money and focus their money on things that are great, great for humanity and great for their uh, generation, right? And so you supporting us, you watching these videos, you giving up thumbs up in the comments and the Discord, all of it, you are dumb money. We are dumb money. Like, we are dumb money is hashtag, our hashtag. Guys. Yeah, please use it on Twitter, use it on Instagram. Anytime you, you tweet about stocks, uh, please use the we are dumb money uh, hashtag because you are more important than us, okay, when it comes to this channel and this brand, and you always will be. So, uh, and by the way, we worked our butts off on the edit for this uh, this uh, container store trade. Uh, is that the container store up today? I have no technology. I'm using all my tech for this Here, let's, thing. Let's pull it's, up a stock chart. Container store. Is it up today? Are we still doing okay? TCS. There's so many other companies with TCS. Like a Mexican company. Here, here's here's Container Store. They so they had that little pullback. So, somebody tweeted at me last night or us, and they it was a oh you know so they, they were tweet? up big this morning and they've been pulling back, but they are definitely up for the day. Okay, so Dave uh, Daria uh, sent me a text uh, this morning of a tweet that was someone saying we've entered the container store uh, uh, part of the pandemic, meaning that everything, everything, uh, home edit, we're entering the home edit part of the pandemic because every piece of home edit merch is sold out. And that's what the whole concept was. I was like, I thought that was so funny. Like they're basically saying that you cannot find home edit uh, stuff anywhere at <laughs> Container Store right now. So like th that's the part of the pandemic that we're at. Listen, I, I, I'm still in this trade. I haven't sold yet. Uh, I'm still in it. So hopefully the Container Store will continue to run. But guys, watch this episode. It's so fun. But before you go, up when you watch it. hit the like button here before you go. Make sure you hit the like button on that video when you watch. Please. Subscribe on both channels if you're not already. Subscribe to my other channel. Hey there, Dave here. Listen to our podcast. We're on Apple and Spotify and all of them. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and Twitch and whatever other service. We're at Dumb Money TV on all of those. Join our Discord server, dumbmoney.tv slash Discord. Keep the conversation in the comments here and uh, over there on the new video. Make sure you drop us a comment. Let us know you came from our live show and immediately watched us. I'm going to put a link in the live chat. As soon as you see that, go over there. Thank you so much for watching. For Chris and Jordan, I'm Dave. We're Dumb Money. We will see you on Thursday. Mm.